and welcome to episode 45 of the officially unofficial Daft Leppard podcast, Daft Leppard. Today is part two of our On Through the Night review. We will be picking up the conversation between myself, Neil Poole, and Johnny De La Pena and Ian Maloney. And we'll be looking at the second side of On Through the Night. If you are bang into all things On Through the Night, then also check out episode 10 of Death Left Pod, which is a deep dive into the song Wasted. And also check out episode 14 of Death Left Pod, which is all about the live in Oxford 1980 recording. But for now, let's get back to On Through the Night itself. to side two there'll be five songs on side two as compared to six on side one and we get to wasted wasted three minutes and 40 seconds long it always feels longer to me but in a good way not in like it's dragging on but it always feels um, longer than that Written by Steve Clark, written by Joe Elliott. I've talked loads about this in the past. Um, there's a wasted episode at some point in the Death Left Pod back catalogue. I've maybe number 10, 9, 8, something like that. I'm not going to say hardly anything about wasted because I've, I've said lots about it before. Ian, do you like it? <laughs> yeah, it's all right. <laughs> yeah, no, this is, <laughs> this is this is a great song. It's it's you know as you said before, it's the it's the only one from this album that sort of creeps back into their set from time to time. Um, yeah, I urge everyone, there's nothing we can say today that will top what Neil put in the, the Wasted episode. Um, I urge everyone to go back and listen to that. It's 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 a great summation of the song, but it's also, he goes into a lot about um, about Steve and um, and his um, writing process and things. So yeah, listen to that. Um, this is another one like um, Rock Brigade, where if you listen to all the different versions of it, you can really see them experimenting and changing. You know, the, the Nick Tober... Um, mix of it is kind of flat and a bit a bit bad but there's a um, <laughs> yeah. on, on the earliest i think it's on there's one cd in the earliest is all like their bbc sessions and stuff and there's an andy people's session version of wasted where it really kind of sounds almost like a punk song it's got a really sort of shouty hey 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 sort of um feel to it which which i kind of like as well and a lot of the stuff about Def Leppard, they're sort of seen as a reaction, not a reaction to punk, but they're they're not a punk band. They're they're trying to do something different. But there is a punk element in there. They're influenced by punk in terms of being an independent band and putting their EP out. And and in that version of Wasted, you can really sort of see that side of of um, their influences coming through. Just it's just a great rock song. It's all a great rock songs, uh, Johnny. I mean, I don't know if you can play this, but even if you can't, I'm sure you can learn how to play it and play it. This sounds to me like it would be just great to play. You know, you get in with your band, you know, you put you put your amps up to 11 and then you just go for it. Oh, yeah. This is one of the first uh, riffs that I learned when I was, you know, trying to figure out the guitar because I started off in drums. So this is this. It's just uh, it. It. 
you get to start off side B with this song and it's just, it's great. It's fabulous. I mean, even if it would have been the starter for the album, it would have also been great. You know, it's, it's just a great song. It's metal straight up. It's great. It's fabulous. It kind of like has this like a, like a faster and heavier, like a purple, deep purple vibe on it. And, uh, you know, and a little bluesy even for some, and sometimes, but it, it's, it's a great song. It's, the hook on it is great. I can't say enough of it. I mean, I know we've we we've, you've talked about it in, during the podcast, and I mean, this is this is just a great song, and in it, it makes sense why it still sticks in you know in the set list from time to time in in like places like I don't know in in the UK or maybe in Japan or or stuff like that. You know, when when you do get the treat of of listening to this live, it just pumps it pumps the crowd up you know even if you're not a, like a really diehard Def Leppard fan it's still a song that you're, you're not going to go and, and buy beer during this song in the show it's a fast song it's high energy it's it's a it's, it's a short song in a sense so you know it's just like yeah great you know I think what uh has to be said about this song has already been said it's just a great song timeless Def Leppard song so the second song on side two of On Through the Night is Rocks Off, not Get Your Rocks Off, which is what it was called on the Def Leppard EP. They've, they've knocked off the Get You for some reason, written by all of the band except for Rick Allen. Johnny, is there any massive difference, do you think, between the version of this song that's on On Through the Night and the one that's on the Def Leppard EP, other than the slight change of name? Oh yeah, the, the production is way different. The guitar sounds are are different. The actual arrangements, you know, in in guitars is kind of like different in a sense because there's, I mean, in the EP, it's just straight up two guitars, one side on one side and the other, you know, Pete and 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 Steve. And on this version, you get slightly more overdubs and you know little arrangements and stuff like that. And uh, the drums obviously sound very different Rick, i mean rick allen just sounds incredible on this one in this whole album you know but in this song he just sounds really really great you can tell that on the def leppard ep the drums are not someone who's that familiar or it's into the songs you know when rick allen comes in he's like full-on def leppard committed you know so he's putting everything he's got into that and you can you can tell There's a couple of things here that production wise, I think that you can tell it's the first album and they're struggling, struggling a little technologically, but there are also things that Mutt Lang would have never allowed, <laughs> you know, and, and for example, in this in the instrumental part, there's some guitar, there's a guitar that go, that's panned from left to right that goes down, you can hear the one guitar comes in on the on the right hand side then on the left hand side and everything but it's the same performance it's just someone went with the pen knob and just went oh, right yeah. and left and you can hear that it's cut off you know and it sounds weird it sounds amateurish it sounds like you you didn't put enough time into the production because now later on they would have recorded one guitar going on the left and then the other one on the right and you know so it sounds balanced but you can tell when you're listening to it it's like catch you off guard i know you can tell 
that's a production error and it's obviously not that sophisticated not that sophisticated for the time the technology and the producer and, and so on and so forth you know but i mean it's still i like this version more than the one on the ep yeah i, I think that's really interesting we, we, we've touched a little bit on, on tom allen's production um but but not really delve too much into it. I, and this is one of the songs where you really feel that the Tom Allen's obviously, you know, he's a producer with a great um, pedigree and Sabbath and priest and, and all that kind of stuff. There is obviously I wasn't there, um, but you get, you get a sense that how, but how much effort is he really putting into this, this new band and, you know, if stuff, if it's just turn the knob rather than record two guitar parts and stuff, it, a lot of it seems a bit, rushed there's a few of joe's vocal performances um across this that yeah as johnny said mutt lang would never have allowed anywhere near a record and there's a few bits on satellite where joe kind of just goes out of tune and it's just like yeah mutt lang would have just been like no do that again do it again and you get the feeling tom allen was a bit more like yeah that's fine that'll do let's move on let's do the next one and um yeah i think this is one of those those songs that there, there's a certain amount of that. Like I said before, there's there's space where you would have a rhythm guitar or you would have the bass up more. Um, the EP version of the song, you've got the two the two guitar lines sort of following each other, fills the space a bit more. Um, whereas here it's sort of riff and then a little bit of ornamentation. So yeah, it's 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 one of those songs where you really wonder what a what a different producer um could have made with uh with early Def Leppard and could have done with this with this album. That said, you know, Rocks Off is is a great song. It's um as I said before, you know, they record they've got the three songs from the EP and they re-record two of them from this one. They're obviously still feel whether they, they haven't quite got it right yet and they want another stab at it or they just, it's too mm. good a song to drop or whatever. Um, it's the most glam song they have on the album. So, um, you know, I assume that's a reason for it. You know how much uh, Joe and Sav particularly love their their glam stuff. The audience sounds on it, another o- overdub <laughs> thing. That's odd choice for that one. Like Stage Fright, you can understand why there's audience yeah. sounds on that. Um, Neil Young does it a lot, but that's because he records some of the songs live and just puts that on the album. Why crowd so like if you're gonna put crowd sounds on it, surely Rock Brigade would be the obvious yeah. place to yeah. put it. But yep. uh it's it's an odd overdub choice there. But yeah, good good song. It's interesting, isn't it? Because they have all of that time and that's probably what it comes from. It's like, oh what should we do today? Should we find a, like a crowd noise and put it on um, rocks off? But maybe they should have spent some of the time. I mean, how you can maybe put that on and then not be listening back to say it could be you, and getting rid of that like Joe Yodel that he does near the start. Oh, like that, that, he does. Like, at, at, no, at no point did he just go, just take that bit off. Okay, so going on to the next song, which is It Don't Matter. I've got a very, very, very basic theory on the fact that It Don't Matter suffers from the fact that there's a song called It Could Be You on the album and It Could Be You suffers from the fact that there's a song called It Don't Matter on the album. I've always just sort of got a little bit mixed up between the two of them and it's only when they start to go, oh yeah, we'll put it this way, I've been listening to both of those songs for like years and I still find them quite hard to remember. That's not to say the bad songs and you, you both spoke very positively about It Could Be You. Are you going to speak positively about It Don't Matter, Ian? <laughs> I, I have very few notes on the song it's the same yeah it, it could be you it don't matter both written in the studio both 
very similar titles. Um, another one, yeah, same as it, it could be you, it could, would have benefited from being played live lunchtimes and workshopped and, and stuff. Um, there's one of the things that would go on to become part of the Def Leppard sound is sort of like the the punctuated guitars, sort of the song being driven by vocals and drums and the guitars being more um, ornamentation or just like one chord ringing out in the verse rather than riffing all the way through or, or playing all the way through. And that's in this song. You can really see them starting to develop that um, particular um, thing that would go on to become a big part of the Def Leppard sound. It's placing on the album. So you've got... Um, Rocks Off, which is one of their earliest songs, or in terms of what's on this album, one of their earliest songs, followed by something written in the studio. So you can see, you can sort of use it to see how their songwriting is progressing. This is one of the one of the songs that is kind of like taking us into high and dry territory because it's a little groovier. It's not like the heavy, fast, uh, head, you know, metal thing. It's more ACDC ish in that sense. You know, the, the verse riff, and the, the groove there is very much something like you would eventually hear in high and dry. So it's kind of like taking us there. It, I, I assume that this is one of the later songs that they wrote for the album. So they were kind of like going to that, and uh, it it does sound like that. It, I, I have written down that <laughs> that it's also the more cowbell song. <laughs> you love the cowbell, you, yeah. You have to love the cowbell on the verses there. You know, the chorus I think struggles a little bit. It it lacks a little bit of attention to it. I think it could have been better. But the verses are really cool because it does sound like some you know, as I was saying, like high and dryish, and it. it it's different from the other songs on the album. But apart from that, yeah, I, I think it's also uh, not one of the, the strongest ones. But I would take that. And maybe, as, as Ian said, it maybe is something that Mutt Lang could have heard and said, oh, so they can groove. It's not like just fast, you know, they, oh, we can take this somewhere, you know, and songs like in uh, Saturday Night or, you know, uh, all those songs like uh, in, in, in High and Dry, which are a little more groove orientated. I mean, this would be a like a, a green light that said, oh, we can do something like that. You know, This is the song that came to mind to me earlier when you said that on this album, you don't get the Def Leppard like harmonized backing vocals. And I think that this song is the one where you really hear it, but it's got a sort of like naive charm to it, but where, because it's the bit where it goes, don't matter. Don't matter, and it, it sounds essentially well. You're you got a very good singing voice, Johnny, but it sounds like you've like you just got like sort of free, like a few like normal fellas who can hold a note and ask them yeah. to just sort of hold a note and sing it. That's yeah. what it sounds like, you know, rather than the harmonies. It reminds there's an Iron Maiden song called uh, "If You're Gonna Die." If you could, yeah, die with your boots on, it is. You can like hear their like sort of cockiness in it. Obviously, you can't hear. Def Leppard's London accent because they haven't got one, but you can just hear their like normal voices as opposed to you know like this harmonized thing that they're gonna get later. But 
I, I sort of like it because it makes it um, a little bit different. Right, we're moving on to the penultimate song, which is a child had my favorite guitar parsing of every, any song. So, Answer to the Master, again written by the whole band, with the exception of Rick Allen. <laughs> Do you know what guitar part I'm talking about, Johnny? Is it that? There's another bit. Maybe something like that in the bridge. You know what? I'm going to edit this and just use it as my ringtone or something on my phone. <laughs> now there's, an, there's another bit do you know what it is Ian I'm just asking you to read my mind it, it, don't worry it won't show that you've got a lack of deaf leopard knowledge you know it won't reflect badly on you I would have assumed it was Johnny's second choice there, the sort of very, very Led Zeppelin breakdown bit in the middle, um, which is my favourite part of the song. Oh, yeah, of course. The big part, the pause. Yes, of course, yeah. That was a proper like tennis racket in front of the mirror song laugh for me. It was like, ah, oh, <laughs> d- 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 the dream of playing that live and everyone loving me. Oh, God. <laughs> you know what? I, might, I might literally do that after, <laughs> after we finish recording. Ian then, go on, answer to the master. It's good, isn't it? It is good. Yeah, this is. So we, we spoke before about, um, you know, this is an album potential. If you ignore the, the 41 years, 42 years that come after this album um, and, and all the history we know and just think about the potential contained with us, within this album, there's a few directions Def Leppard could have gone next. They obviously work with Mutt Lang and they take that more pop rock, hard rock, hit orientated direction. This is one of those songs where you can imagine if they got a completely different producer for their second album, a more hard rock metal producer, um, they could go in a completely different direction. There's such a Zeppelin influence on this song. It's it's the one song until 2015, I think, until um, a battle of my own, where you really, really hear the Zeppelin influence coming through. And I assume that's Steve. We all know, you know how much he loved Jimmy Page. And you get like that breakdown. It's about one minute 30 in where... It's just a Zeppelin breakdown. <laughs> There's mm. even the, like the little ornamental bends and stuff is pure Jimmy Page, and I love that. You you can't go wrong. Um, like the, there's also the, the there's a Moby Dick influence there. There's, you know, there's basically a drum solo in the middle of this song. Yeah, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. And and you said he doesn't get a songwriting credit. Like, there's a drum solo in the middle. How is the drummer not getting a songwriting credit on this? That's that's unfair. Um, 
yeah, I really like this. This this is one I've I've never seen them do it live. I would love to see them play this song live. I think it would be it would be great. But um, yeah, this is one for me that just really points to um, it's like a multiverse thing that there's there's a there's another Def Leppard out there somewhere where they didn't put the sort of seventies rock influences aside for the whole yeah. Motley era where they they kept doing this kind of stuff and yeah if if we could ever have like a parallel parallel universe Def Leppard playing much more Zeppelin influenced stuff I would love to see that I definitely think the drum solo on this one is I mean this is the one where you 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 can tell Rick Allen is is like ah oh, this is my moment this is really my moment the whole album yeah. is is he sounds great he sounds really really um he's very solid he's he's punchy and he's very precise and he's got you know he doesn't sound like like again he doesn't sound like a 16 year old drummer I, I just can't state that enough i mean when i was 16 and i started drumming i could barely keep time with a metronome and and rick allen is doing the i mean you can hear uh you know keith moon in in there you can hear john bonham you can hear uh in pace or and all you can hear his, those influences and he's he's really 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 good you know when i obviously when i listened to hysteria first and then pyromania and then listening to this is like it sounds like a completely different drummer obviously we know why you know but you can still you just this guy's really 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 good you know and um this is one of the songs that really kind of like gives him the spot to feature and just like let loose you know quirky as well isn't it the drumming in it you know it, you know you said that about like like keith moon and everything and obviously he doesn't sound like keith moon but the way it goes like it, it just sort of sounds like you know a beat house or something i mean you can listen to any who song but there's one called uh, go mobile it's like an acoustic song and like the drumming in it is like nothing you notice it more in that song than any other who song because it's acoustic and it's just like the drumming just all over the place and this is like a sort of very, 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 very diluted for two seconds version of that, where this is like this like this quirky drumming. I love it. I think it's really, really cool. I'm not I'm not gonna make any bones about this, right? This is my favourite song on the album. I won't be picking the song from side two, so I'm allowed to say it at this point. This is my favourite song on the album. It's one of my favourite Death Leopard songs. It's their longest song to this day. Seven minutes and forty-five seconds. They've still not done a longer song. Overture. This is another one. It's actually, is it on this? Is it called? Yeah, it's called Overture on this. But they've um, dropped the definitive article. Um, the word I can't say. I can't say the word on its own. It's spelled T H E. It's my accent. I just can't say that word on its own without <laughs> it just sounding like a noise. Um, but the overture. So they've changed the name of this one slightly as well. But this is as another one that was on the Def Leppard. EP. Go on, Johnny. Tell us what you think about all seven minutes and 45 seconds of the overture. Can you break it down into 10-second segments and speak for 30 minutes on each 10-second segment, please? Oh, yes. This is epic. It's a great song. I love it. I love this version. I like it obviously more than the EP. It's got a lot of things going on. One particular thing that I can highlight is that wah solo. The, in 
than the instrumental part that is it just the way it comes in it's just like uh, that was my guitar you know like the tennis racket guitar moment for me that was like oh it's just great i love this song i really really love it, it it's you can it features i mean the band really pushing the edge on this and, and going uh to places where they would eventually go on other epic songs you know and especially the last song on the last record really reminds me of this song in that sense you know so i love it it's just incredible incredible lyric wise everything you can really hear their influences coming through in this one um there's there's something a lot of a lot of young bands do particularly which is when you're writing your first sets of originals you kind of go right let's write a song like sabbath let's write a song like zeppelin and you can really imagine them sitting down and going let's write you know a song like uh, there's a lot of thin lizzie influence in here and that kind of thing and i think that's one reason they they don't really follow this path much in the future like they, they go epic a lot but they don't do this kind of of epic very much and they don't do as you say the seven minute songs is they, they're just sort of trying out what can we do can we do you know we can do glam we can do metal we can do we can do all this kind of thing and um what better way to finish the album i mean this is an album closer and there's a famous quote from uh, george martin where he talks about um how, how you decide the track listing of an album and he says track one is the song that nothing can go in front of and the final track is the track that nothing can come after nothing can come after overture you, you can't you know do that and then go into another song it has to end the album and it's you know as, as a classic rock album closer it's perfect and you know what after all these years i discovered genuinely discovered something new about this song today and something that i've been getting wrong um, all of this time so you know we all have those misheard lyrics songs and there's loads of Def Leppard ones of those I still don't know what I'm singing for half of them just making noises right I always always thought because it's the last song on the album because it's called Overture I always thought the first line said end with this message that I bring to you right and then I was looking at <laughs> I was looking at the lyrics it's not end it's and unless the lyrics are wrong and I was like, well, you've got that wrong. <laughs> it should have been end. And it's like, and with this message, right? Today I found that out. And um, I'm not best pleased. And I'm going to carry on singing end. Johnny, end. you look like yes. you just found this out as well. <laughs> when I read the lyrics, like I did the same thing as you. I just got like, what? Really? <laughs> well, I was I, 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 I was particularly uh, pedantic about it. And I checked four different sources. And yeah, it says and, but I'm thinking, but I hear it as end. I don't know. I'm going to play it now. Everybody have a listen. Is it and or is it end? knows right it's okay so um yeah we'll find out <laughs> right then okay so that we're coming to the closing stages well done everyone in our three different time zones I'm very proud of you we've done well okay so we're gonna pick the song now ian you've lost first time contributor privilege now now i turn into the monster and the, the cro draconian oppressive regime that i run here so we're gonna pick a song and if i have to I'll, you know, I'll, I'll decide, but we're going to have a listen. So, Ian, you went first for side one, didn't you? So, Johnny, you've got a choice of Wasted, Rocks Off, It Don't Matter, Answer to the Master, or Overture. 
to go on the ultimate Def Leppard playlist, we had Sorrow is a Woman from side one. What are we going for on side two? As much as I love Overture, I have to say Wasted because it's just a timeless classic. And I mean, you can't go wrong with that song. It's just, I would definitely Wasted. And Ian? Yep, it's got to be Wasted. <laughs> Absolutely got to be Wasted. <laughs> um, that, when, when I was justifying Sorrow as a Woman on side one, it's that balance. You've got the two sides of Def Leppard and Wasted as an example of high energy great rock song leopard live at that time um and the kind of what they were trying to do and what people loved about them wasted is the is the classic of that i agree i think it was on the pyro yeah well it was on pyromania side one where it's like you know for 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 all of the thinking about it it's photograph i would say that this is on through the night's um equivalent in terms of certainly on this side where it's like yeah it's wasted isn't it you don't even really need to um entertain it being anything else all right then brilliant well done fellas so before we go have you got any johnny i'll come to you first have you got any closing thoughts on death leopard's 1980 debut album on through the night yeah it's a uh, really something i mean obviously something to highlight is their ages they must have been like 2019 16 it's a very mature record for their age uh you can hear the 70s influence on this in every in any sense and something that struck me when i was a kid i don't know if you guys are into this in my conspiracy theory that kind of like it didn't keep me up at night but i just like to say that but all of Def Leppard's albums and i don't know if they did this on purpose or it's just a coincidence or it's just my mind going crazy but when i got hysteria there's a title track on hysteria then you have pyromania no title track mm -hmm. high and dry title track on through the night no height no title track obviously we have a song on through the night and high and dry but that's a whole different story but when we had this gap, when I was when I started being a fan, which is right before, uh, after Hysteria, we had this gap between Hysteria and Adrenalize. And I thought, obviously, they're making a conscious choice and they're not going to have a title track on that. Adrenalize comes out and they don't have a title track. And then Slang, obviously, they do have a title track. They're doing this on purpose. You know, obviously, Retroactive is a B-Sides collection, so we can kind of like say okay. no on that one. <laughs> and then uh, Euphoria comes out and I was... They're not going to have a title track. There is no title track. And then my conspiracy theory comes to an end when they release X or 10. <laughs> That's because 2000, the world ended, didn't it? 1999, yeah. <laughs> um, Millennium Bug and all of that. We went to year zero. So it all started again. So, you know, th there might be a new trend there. All I can say is, uh, well done, Johnny. I, I was wondering where that was going and I was thinking, He's going to go full QAnon on me in a minute, going on about <laughs> lizards and everything and all of this sort of stuff. So it wasn't that. It was just that for in the 20th century, there was a nice trend of non-title tracks and then title tracks. Ian, can you beat that? Um, I don't know if I can beat it, but um, yeah, so a lot of people, you know, when you talk about On Through the Night, a lot of people are not that big um fans of it you get a lot of people say you know it's a different sound it's not their best album we go on to do better and it sort of it gets weighed down by by the history that comes after um but you know this was a successful album when it came out it got into the top 20 i think it reached 15 in the uk something like that like it was you know this was a successful album at the time not as successful as they would go on to become um and i you know i said at the start i think it's worth 
trying to think about this album just within the bubble of 1980 without the history. And um, to do that, I'd like to end on, I've got um, I've got the Japanese um, CD edition of this album because I live in Japan. And um, they put, um, in the liner notes, they put a review from a rock magazine from the time, from March 1980, in Japanese uh, Japanese magazine called Aquarius. Um, and I want to read just a little bit, just to show, like, Outside the UK, so this is in Japan, in March 1980, when the album, the same month the album was released, this is how it was um, received in Japan. Now, th this is a quick um, and not particularly accurate translation, um, but let me just read this section. Okay, so this is so, you, so this is in Japanese and you're translating it for us? Yeah, not live. I, uh, <laughs> I did it in advance. But uh, yeah, oh. so this is a, a rock journal. It's called uh, Tsuneo Omori. It says, heavy metal fans have been waiting for this day. Led Zeppelin and Deep Purple are forever. Don't forget Sabbath, Rainbow, Judas Priest, UFO. They're all still burning. But how many years has it been since they came out? Punk and New Wave are the movements of the day. And heavy metal is synonymous with the old wave. That's why there's been a demand for young, promising bands. Mods are back. Skunk is back. And now heavy metal. Heavy metal is not dead. In the corner of the garage, in a dirty, cheaply rented rehearsal room, a big metallic sound was steadily growing. A heavy metal revival. The new wave of heavy metal. Def Leppard, who released their highly anticipated debut album, is regarded as the brightest hope of the up-and-coming metal bands. So firstly, he thinks it's metal. Um, to, put, to put that out in that debate. But that, so that's March 1980. And that's a reaction in Japan when the album's coming out. You know, this album it maybe isn't as good as objective, as objectively good as Def Leppard going to become, but it's still a great rock album. And as debut albums go, there's so much potential and so many good songs and so much great performances contained in here that uh, it, it deserves a lot more love than I feel it gets from people. So, yay on through the night. And yeah. what a note to end on. I don't think there's many other podcasts out there that are getting Jap Japanese translated reviews from 1980s. There's Ian. Bring, bring in the volume and the skills. Thank you very much. So, Ian, thank you very much. Johnny, thank you very much for coming on to Def Left Pod. And um, we'll see you soon, no doubt. <laughs> <laughs> yes, of course, yeah.